Hey guys, this is Peter, the host of Hydrate Level 4. I just wanted to record this disclaimer letting you know that during the recording, there were some audio issues on my track. My guest Shanna sounded amazing, and this episode, uh, I think, is still worth a listen because of her. Uh, If you can just get past my audio, which sounds really, really bad, uh, I think you can still enjoy the episode. But if you can't, hey, no hard feelings. I appreciate you checking it out. Um, and if you're a first-time listener, please check out you know the back catalog. There are many uh, great episodes on some uh, some of the movies that perhaps that you grew up watching. So without further ado, here's our episode on the legend. Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level Four. Boy, oh boy, mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. I'm your host, Peter, and joining me is Shanna from the MTR Network. How are you doing, Shanna? I'm good. Um, It's been a very trying day, but overall, I'm great because I'm just not going to let people annoy me as much as they want to. (laughs) Well, we'll get through it. Hopefully this movie doesn't, uh, you know, I don't know, worsen your day, I guess. This movie is very interesting. Very interesting. So if uh, if listeners aren't familiar with MTR, can you talk a little bit about it and what you guys do at the network? Okay, so basically I started listening to um, Chris. He, he was doing reviews with um, Phenom and uh, they were doing like mainly movie reviews. And I started listening to their podcast because he was a guest on The Black Guy Who Tips uh, with Rod and Karen. And he had mentioned um, either on their podcast or after I started listening that he was looking for a co-host to do some TV shows. And so I just kind of contacted him and I was like, hey, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm really interested in like actually being a part of something, but I don't know how to get started. And if you're looking for something. Um, so we started off doing reviews together for Gotham. And then um, because of the podcast and um, the reviews we were doing, um, I also got to go to Comic-Con last year. So that was kind of like my first big thing. And then. Um, we stopped doing Gotham because that show got bad. And um, I started doing Supergirl uh, reviews with the doctor. So I do those reviews. He has another co-host, uh, Deepom, and they do um, like kind of all the superhero shows. They do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Flash, Legends, Arrow together. And then I kind of like also just drop in on stuff. Like if there's like a movie review or like, um, like, a season of a show or a big movie comes out, like, um, then I'll kind of drop in like when my schedule, when we can work something out. Um, so yeah. So at the website, the website is movietrailerreviews.net and we do a uh, podcast. We do written reviews. Um, uh, we do, uh, lots of kind of movies, everything like movies, not so much, he does a comic book book club, but um, we don't do too many written reviews of comics, but uh, lots of lots of content. <laughs> Something for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, have you watched season two of Gotham? I stopped uh, when we stopped reviewing it, which was right at the mid season finale. 
And then recently they were about to get deleted off my Hulu queue. So I watched the two episodes with uh, Mr. Freeze. And those were much better than everything else. The um, first half of season two. But I hear that it's gone down again. So I don't know when I'm going to get to the rest of those episodes. Yeah, I, I'm a little behind. But uh, in my opinion, I thought season two was a step in the right direction. Like, it almost felt like they got a new showrunner. And I don't know that to be true. But I know people were really crapping on season one. I'm like, you know what? Season two is actually not that bad. See, um, I really loved season one, except for like maybe the last, when they added on extra episodes where you could kind of tell like, they were not prepared to get like the extended order. <laughs> like, like that's where it got a little murky for me. But I really love season one, especially that first half was so good. And then season two, it felt a little all over the place for me. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, with all the, the villain stuff, it was in the Barbara stuff. It just felt like a little crazy. Um, I like I like the villain of the week format. I really really like that. Like kind of like Smallville. Yeah, and like I like it because some of the villains are like so huge that they just kind of like touch upon it, but that's not like like with the Joker. Like I liked how season one they did the whole thing where like he, you know, you see this guy and maybe he's a Joker, maybe not. Maybe he's someone that influences the Joker. Like right. I I kind of like that. Like where sometimes you definitely get the villain and then sometimes you just get kind of like the seed of a villain. I think that's really interesting. I forgot the character's name, but uh uh little bragging rights here, but I got a picture with that Milo Venti. Oh, Ventimiglia? That guy, yeah. I got, Ooh. I got some selfies with him. Oh, he's so fun. That's like, <laughs> that's old school for me because that's Jess from Gilmore Girls. Uh, see, I, I, I don't know anything about uh, about Gilmore Girls, but I knew him from Heroes. And so uh, I went to go get an autograph for my son because my son likes Heroes. And uh, so we were just, you know, um, shooting the breeze a little bit. We talked a little bit about basketball. And he, apparently he's got a home here in Portland. And, uh, and he's like, hey, man, well, you know, this autograph is for your son. Why don't we take some selfies? And I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs> so he put his arm around my shoulder and we just took a bunch of silly uh, photos. Ugh. And then uh, I, I posted those on Facebook and people were like, uh, they, they were like dropping Gilmore, Gilmore Girl references and I didn't understand it. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. They're like Team Jess or I don't know. People were like just saying things and I didn't understand it. <laughs> like, I'm just going to like the comment and go on <laughs> yeah my friend is actually dealing with that right now because she went to a event that tom hiddleston was doing like a q a oh. and i guess she posted a photo or something like that on instagram and ever since then like she's been getting like harassed by like tom hiddleston fans they're like because mm -hmm. i guess they started following her on instagram and then she went to like another event and she met Anton Yelton from um, yeah, yeah. Star Trek. And right. so, like, now people are like, how do you go to these events? Do you work for them? Like, and these, like, people are, like, harassing her on Instagram about, like, how did how does she get tickets to these events? And can she get them tickets and passes and all this other stuff? And she was like, I just go to stuff when I hear about it. That's amazing. Maybe I should put, I wonder if I, did I post mine on Facebook or uh, Twitter? I forget. Because I, I, I need some traffic my way. Ooh. I need some people to harass me. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Like, 
put put some just post some pictures of Tom Hiddleston and <laughs> apparently that's all you need to do. Photoshop that in. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're joining me for Legend, and this was the first time you've seen it, right? Yes. Yeah, I have not seen this since I was a little kid. Like there were some things I kind of remembered, some characters I kind of remembered, but for the most part, it was almost a brand new movie for me. Um, after I watched this, I did a little bit of research and come to find that there's four versions of this movie. Okay, I so the version I saw was the director's cut. I did too. Okay, so we're good. So we're good. <laughs> I was a little concerned that you you saw maybe the hour and a half one and. So uh, our cut was almost two hours, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, yeah, because I know there's some differences, including, like, the ending and things like that. So that's that's kind of weird. But before we get into the movie, I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the number one song around the time of the movie's release and also some of the movies that came out. So the number one song was Broken Wings by Mr. Mister. It take these broken wings, that one. That's it. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the number one song. The one that uh, precedes, or I'm sorry, supersedes that is Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Oh, okay. I don't know any of the words to that, but like, I feel like I know it. Okay. Yeah. Lionel Richie. So that's it. Uh, So that's, that was actually the end of 1985. So I, I don't go into the following year or anything like that. So let's talk about some of the movies uh, that came out around the, uh, the release of this Rocky four. Oh, is that the which is that the one where he fights the Russian? No. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, look at me knowing stuff. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> yeah, so Rocky Four, that's the one with the uh, Dolph Lundgren. Okay. Okay. How about Spies Like Us? No, I got nothing. No. I think that's got Dan Aykroyd in it. How about Clue? Oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah. That's a classic. Uh, Jewel of the Nile. I know of the movie. I've never seen it. Isn't that like the sequel to Romancing the Stone? Does that sound right? I ha- I got nothing. No. <laughs> got nothing. Okay. Uh, well, I'm the one with the movie reviews. <laughs> uh, how about how about Out of Africa? Oh yeah, that's Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mainly know because she got dragged when she talked about that Africa thing, and people were like photoshopping like Out of Africa. <laughs> Oh no! Here's one that probably wasn't a very big movie, but um, once bitten. Oh, I see. I know that one. Carry <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, so I know what it is. I've just never seen it. Is that any good? Is it like a guilty pleasure? Yeah, know. it's like kind of not a teen movie because I feel like Jim Carrey never looks like a teenager, but it's kind of a teen movie, like a vampire kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. The other one that I thought was interesting, because I looked up just the actors who were in this movie, um, but I think Ferris Bueller either came out like the same year this came out or the year after. I want to say the year after. Yeah. I think Bueller came out in 86. 86, yeah. So like um, Mia Sarah was like having like a really good year. Okay. uh, So we, we already established that we both watched the director's cut. It's a... You know, about 25 minutes longer than the theatrical cut, I want to say. Let's talk about some of the characters that are, that are in this movie. We got uh, a young Tom Cruise, kind of unibrow, uh, before the teeth fix, uh, as Jack. <laughs> uh, I don't know, he looks like Peter Pan to me. He's got raggedy clothes living in the forest. Um, I read somewhere that this movie possibly could have allegedly inspired 
um, Legend of Zelda. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he he has a very like kind of elfin kind of thing going on, like Peter Panny kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't have like elf ears or anything. So we, I guess, he's human. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned her, Mia Sarah. She uh, she plays Princess Lily. Uh, Tim Curry as Darkness. And we got uh, David Bennett as uh, Honeythorn Gump. He also goes, he just goes by Gump. Uh, Alice Alice Clayton as Blix, who's basically a goblin uh, that works for Darkness, I guess. And um, that's pretty much it. Everyone else are kind of you know the other goblins and uh, things like that. Uh, so basically, this movie is about uh, Darkness. Who is Darkness? The devil is, is that? He looks a lot like a devil, but he kept saying maybe because he says father a lot. So I was like, who is right. he talking to? Like, who is he referring to? Is there a, a bigger darkness than darkness? Like, could be, could be. You're right. He does mention father, so it's okay. So, so he wants the horn of a unicorn, and we don't know why. They, I don't think they ever tell us why he wants it, do we? Do we know? Uh, it, like, he basically, when all the unicorns are gone, then all the magic and all the light goes away. So I just assumed it was about making everything dark. Okay. So he asked Blix to go get him a horn. And while doing that, Lily touches the unicorn, and then the world hell freezes over. Yeah. So that's That's pretty much it. The, and then darkness like falls in love with her and oh, right yeah and there's that you know there's the one scene where he's like I just want you to talk with me <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, the movie opens up with a monologue from darkness uh, to start off did, what did you well I guess we don't really see that uh, see what he looks like yet but what do you think about Tim Curry as darkness because he's clearly wearing like some type of like suit or something I okay I love Tim Curry's voice so I really love like the whole aspect of having him be like darkness. Um, the look actually, and obviously this came after legend, but um, I don't know if you ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I saw the movie like went okay. around the, yeah, when it first came out. So okay. it's been a long time. Okay. The TV show Buffy, there's a character called um, Moloch, I think is the name of the oh. character. The TV show I've never seen. I thought okay. you were going to talk about the movie. No, the TV and the TV show. There's this demon called like Malik, um, and the it looks very similar in the character design. So I wasn't sure if like Buffy was maybe referencing this particular thing, especially with the horns. Like the horns are so well done. Like his whole yeah. outfit looked really, really great. Let's talk a little bit about like uh, the, the production, like the, the costumes. I think we can agree we're all pretty good. What do you think about all the sets? Did you know everything was like uh, built on a soundstage? Oh, no. I assumed yeah. that they filmed it in the woods. No, everything was on a soundstage. Oh, okay. See, that makes it sound a lot better. There's like about five or six different sets, I believe it was, uh, at Pinewood studios or something like that i think it was okay pinewood is where they film all the star wars stuff yeah. yeah so yep so that's where they filmed that and uh i you know i forgot to mention that the movie is directed by ridley scott you know who did your alien who did um uh, dune right blade runner take you do blade, blade runner, runner? Yes. yeah forgot about blade runner that which also has four different versions of it <laughs> so apparently something that he likes to do 
Yeah. Uh, and I guess the in- inspiration for this movie were, you know, like uh, Brothers Grimm, fairy tale classic, things like that. Uh, I-, I think even the dwarves were kind of uh, inspired from like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Okay. So, and if you think about it, like, yeah, the, like down to the hat. Um, so that's where he get, uh, got a lot of the look from. Um, so there's this, uh, so we get Lily, who's, you know, I, I guess she's a princess and uh, she's in this cottage. And uh, she looks at a clock and I guess she sees like, a, I don't know if it's a premonition and everything's covered in snow. <laughs> what did you take from that? Because I know it's foreshadowing, clearly. So basically everything... Because I'm coming into it as, like, this is my first time seeing it. And I know that it, like, predates a lot of this stuff. But it's still, like, just I notice everything as, like, a reference to something else. So um, it reminded me of Labyrinth. Okay. Um, Like, there's that whole scene um, with David Bowie and um, Jennifer Connelly when they're, like, in the oubliette. And they're having like kind of this like fantasy. It looked like that where she was kind of like looking through the face of the clock, but like she was getting all this other imagery. Yeah. So it reminded me of like when she's like looking kind of into the crystal ball and then she kind of like falls into the crystal ball. So that that's what I like immediately thought of. Yeah, I think Labyrinth came out the year after. Uh, and, and this one was actually like a like a big office box office bomb. So yeah, it, it it didn't do well, and I think it was until like um like they they made like different cuts of the movie is actually when it uh got its cult status, yeah. you know, and started you know getting more of a following. Um, so we got Lily and Jack. Uh, what do you think of Jack as a character? I, you know what is really sad. I really love Tom Cruise. I went through a huge Tom Cruise phase in like high okay. school. I was in love with him. Um, I th- this is probably his least best acting and i know it's probably also his first so you know i forgive that this is after outsiders <laughs> really okay lord jesus <laughs> i want to say outsiders was like 84 i was like i, I was think. like maybe this is his first film he was like so wooden <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad he was so wooden i was like oh my god who gave you these lines sweetie like what are you saying <laughs> like he just oh it's so awkward i felt so bad <laughs> try to be like kind of, kind of shakespearean a little bit right yeah well that was weird too because like sometimes um it, they would get like really into this kind of like rhyming couplet way of talking right. and then other times it would just be like regular so it felt like i wasn't sure also, if like people were um, trying to do accents, or you know, because they were trying to have that kind of like fairy taleish kind of feel, right? And like I don't know, like it it was like a very kind of affected kind of a speech sometimes, but only sometimes, not all the time. Yeah, it's like uh, Blix. You know, when we first see him, he's speaking on like a kind of a, in a poem, and I, I kind of dug that, and it seemed like they went away from it every now and again but even tom cruise's accent like kind of came and went for the most part it was gone mm-hmm. i don't know if he just couldn't make up his mind whether or not he wanted to try the accent yeah i feel like there was like no the, like the director couldn't decide Ridley scott probably like all his five million cuts of this movie like he couldn't decide which one he wanted and instead of just saying like play it this way he was like well why don't you try it this way and then he like cut all of them together could be. Uh, so Jack takes uh, Lily to go see unicorns. What do you think of the look of the unicorns? 
Uh, the unicorns were, okay, another thing that, so I went and looked it up to see specifically if they were connected. Um, have you seen the movie Cabin in the Woods? The, the new one. Uh, I saw it the, when it first came out. Okay. There was a part in that movie. It's like one of my favorite parts where, cause like all of the different things that can like, you know, come out and kill you like on the board, there is like unicorn. And like, I remember sitting in the movie theater and being like unicorn, like why would the unicorn be like one of the things that you're like afraid of? Like, why would it be one of the monsters and then there's like a whole scene where like the, the unicorn comes and the person sees it and it's like, it's beautiful. And then the unicorn like kills them. <laughs> okay. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, uh, that, it's such a good movie. Oh my God. Um, that unicorn in that movie reminded me of these unicorns. And I look, I like went to like the wiki of like cabin in the woods and everything. And they were like, uh, they reference like all these other movies that the unicorn could be based on, and nobody said Legend. And I was like, they, I was like, this unicorn looks just like the unicorn in Legend. Like, I can't believe nobody's mentioned this. And then, probably. And then on top of it, I was looking up unicorns in general, and apparently, even though like in most media, unicorns are very like gentle and they're attracted to virgins and stuff. A lot of the early legends about unicorns coins they are like super aggressive and deadly interesting which i didn't know about at all but yeah that's like that whole scene where she like touches the unicorn and then the unicorn like loses its shit <laughs> like that was like one of my that that was actually interesting there's lots of parts of this where i kind of zoned out for a little bit yeah no it's there's i mean we watched the director's cut there's a lot of long scenes you know yeah. and so I'd imagine that theatrical version, they probably shortened a lot of those so that way people wouldn't fall asleep. Yes. But, um, where she's touching the, the, the unicorn or when she even goes out, you know, you know, gets close, Jack's like, no, please don't go out. And he does nothing to stop her. He's just like, don't go out. And then he like turns around and walks away. <laughs> it's forbidden to touch one, yet you're just like, please don't. And you're just like, why don't you stop her? <laughs> Well, apparently in legend, unicorns, so unicorns are attracted to virgins. Like, so unicorns will appear to virgins. But if you are not a virgin, if you are like kind of falsely portraying yourself as a virgin, then the unicorn will like become aggressive and like possibly kill you. So like, it was like a weird thing. Like I did all this research afterwards. And I was like <laughs> thinking about unicorns oh, and I was, <laughs> I was like, wait, but why? Like, so I was like, was, did he not want her to touch it? Cause he was afraid she wasn't a virgin. <laughs> like I started thinking like all of these like conspiracy theories. Like, did he not, did he like know she wasn't a virgin? Was like something going on that we were supposed to know about? Like, it just felt weird that like, well, the whole thing is, like, she's mortal, so I guess she's not supposed to touch it. But then also the way he said it, like, she's mortal, she's not supposed to touch a unicorn. I was like, well, are you not mortal? Like, they never really explained that. Yeah. No, no you're right. Like, they, they don't say, like, he's a fairy or anything like that. I mean, he just, he looks exactly like her. Again, he doesn't have any characteristics of a fairy or a gnome or anything like that. You know, you got, like, all these other things. Uh, in the forest so, along with him so it's, it, it is kind of weird i mean he appears to be basically a hobo you know she brings him cookies 
Well, she brings him cookies. He's living in the woods. He has no family, apparently. Right. And he just talks to animals because he's teaching her, like, rabbit and finch. I mean, that's what happened in Snow White. She talked to animals, right? Or, yeah. Yeah, I know. See? I see the inspiration. There. <laughs> but it was just weird. It, it is. Um, so Blix shoots one of the unicorns with a poisoned uh, blow dart and uh, doesn't, I don't think it kills it. I think it just paralyzes it, like, for the whole movie. Basically. Mm-hmm. And then there's the scene where uh, Lily tosses her ring off the cliff. Uh, what do you think about the reasoning that she gives for, for doing that? You know, where she says, oh, this is for my suitor and um, I have to make it difficult. So if whoever goes after this, I will marry you or whatever. Well, it was just weird because she said that and no one was around to see her make this big statement. Like nobody agreed to these terms. <laughs> and he's literally the only person who knows about this big thing of like finding the ring whoever finds the ring gets to marry her so i was like so it's obviously him it's not like he has any competition right and then okay maybe this was a part i wasn't paying attention to does that come up again like does like darkness at any point like try and find the ring or does she say like you'll never win my heart because you don't you can't find the ring or whatever. Like it never really comes up again until the very, very end in any way that's significant. That's it. Just the end again. Okay. Yeah. So maybe something else that was up on the cutting room floor, perhaps a three hour episode. I have no idea. Or a three hour version. Yeah, probably knowing Ridley Scott. So yeah, again, health beat is over. Uh, Unicorn's horn is cut off. And I kind of like this uh, imagery here where, um, where Jack is in the water, he got the ring and he's trying to come back up. But then like the surface of the river had turned into like a big glacier. And so I, I don't know if like upon him trying to come back up, he's like coming into like a parallel universe or something. Because now we get like Gump, who's a forest child, you know, and all these other things. Do, do you have like like a, a theory as to what happened while he was in the water? I, I couldn't tell if it was just like that quickly that, you know, the kind of goblins and all that took over Earth or I don't even know if they're supposed to be on Earth. But like I couldn't tell if it was like just that quickly that they took over or if he was like kind of like having to fight his way back. I Yeah, I couldn't tell. I Yeah, <laughs> OK. It, it It is kind of weird. I mean, it was cool, but I didn't understand it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Gump? Um, he was really interesting. He was really interesting. He was more like Peter Pan. He was like kind of like an evil Peter Pan kind of a thing. Yeah, um, creepy, right? yeah. he was really creepy. He spoke in rhyme. He did not want to help Tom Cruise. And um, I looked up the actor because he looked really, really familiar. Um, and apparently he's been in a lot of lot of stuff since then, but like nothing that I've seen. Um, but he reminded me of I can't remember who. Um, he reminded me of another like creepy kid. <laughs> Do you remember which movie? No, I don't. Right, of course now it's flown out of my head. Yeah, yeah, it, he's definitely creepy, and it's really weird because they're like uh, he questions Jack. Do you know what happened, Jack? You know, like. Like like a parent asking a, a guilty child, you know, like, do you know who touched the cookie? Yeah. You know, and then it's really weird because he's 
uh, Jack's like, I did it for love. And, and then Gump's like, well, all would be forgiven if you could just answer this riddle. So I didn't get that either. Well, it was weird because, like, they kind of all blame Jack for her touching the unicorn. Because her being immortal, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, that, that's, his, that's not his fault. That's her fault. She did that. <laughs> he could have stopped her. True. He he, he was so he was standing like so far away. He was all like, "No." Okay, for anybody who might be planning on watching this movie, just be prepared. There's a lot of slow mo in this room, like just slow mo for slow mo's sake, like just lots of like soft focus, Barbara Walters lighting, and then like slow motion, like people just, you know, like, so when she goes to touch the unicorn, it takes like 20 seconds of her reaching <laughs> and like Tom Cruise having a scared look. Yeah. Just yeah. like, there might as well be doves. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Actually, wasn't there like a little bird that came came to Tom Cruise's or Jack's like shoulder or something? Like yeah. That? yeah it was, At one point. The whole thing is just, it's, it's so overdramatic. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where Blix and, and the other goblins are around like a campfire and he's using the horn like like some sort of wand and I guess like darkness shows up in some other form and then one of the other goblins like attempts to betray him or something like, that kind of came out of nowhere or did he just not think didn't know that was darkness? I okay. You know what part I'm talking about? There's so much that confused me because it didn't make sense. <laughs> like, like I, I just really didn't know what anybody's motivation was. Like, what? So, like, because it felt like so he wanted to make everything dark and he wanted them to get the unicorns, and but it also felt like he didn't like trust his own people. Like, I couldn't tell. Like. You know, like, I couldn't tell if everybody was in on this plan. Like, if everybody was on board. Like, you know, like, I can tell if he was, like, looking for them to betray him or what. Like, yeah, I didn't know. And then all of a sudden he, like, wanted the girl. And I was like, I don't understand where this is coming from. (laughs) I do like the part where he makes, like, this mummy that was on the ground. Like, grab that goblin and then they, like go diving into this big hole in the ground and for whatever reason he's like uh what, what does he say does it, he says something like in spanish like adios or something or uh gosh what, what was the line it was really cheesy i was just like where, where did that come from why didn't he just speak spanish but uh he said something uh, oh i cannot remember oh yeah, i cannot I, remember really, specifically I, yeah anything i say is just going to be a guess but it was definitely in Spanish. I'm like, why did that just happen? <laughs> it was really weird, but I like the effect of the mummy that kind of just rose from the ground, grabbed him, and then jumped in the hole. Um, there were some great effects. Was this... I don't think this was a... This wasn't a Henson situation. No, I don't believe it was. Uh, let, me, let me take a look. But it, did, it had, like, some Henson feel to it. Like, the look of the goblins... Not as like Muppety as the ones in Labyrinth, um, but like very similar in like the noses and like the outfitting and stuff like that. Well, uh, Blix kind of reminds me of like some little rodent from one of those Jim Henson's things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not seeing uh, any Jim Henson thing in here, but I am kind of scrolling kind of fast. Apparently, depending on the version we watch, is also scored differently too. 
Oh. Yeah, so that's interesting. So I wonder which one is more effective. Um, yeah, nobody's crediting Jim Henson. So, but the look of Blix is like really cool too because his teeth. I don't know what kind of prosthetic it is, but he looks like real. I mean, they all look real. No, mm-hmm. like fake. So the 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 goblins come after the other unicorn, and it's all snowing. And Brown Tom defends it. Uh, oh, defends the um, unicorn, and he gets shot in the head with the with an arrow. I, I thought that was kind of like fun, but yet silly. You know, they're they're like shooting all these arrows at him, and he keeps like blocking it with his pot. You know, and so the, it was, was kind of comical. But uh, did you think he got shot in the head? I mean, the, the whole like I didn't. None of it felt like real. None of it felt like anybody was like in any real danger. <laughs> so like I didn't I didn't think anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had like a bottle of like some I don't know, bottle of something like under his hat. So it appeared as as though he was bleeding, you know. So it was a bit of a fake out, but uh yeah, it was fine. Um what do you think of uh, Jackson Counter with uh, I I guess the character's name is Meg Mucklebones? It's that little witch in the swamp, uh, like something from from like Evil Dead. Yeah, like uh, when they fall in the pit and then they go to the dungeon. Uh, it, what? Not Evil Dead. What's the one where they come up? Maybe it is Evil Dead that I'm thinking of. I'm also from the basement, or yeah, yeah, yeah. The basement was Evil Dead. Uh, I, I actually <laughs> haven't seen part two. Um, and then Army of Darkness, I like vaguely remember. Uh, I think it was reminding me of that. You know who else Blix reminded me of, actually? And I looked it up to see if it was the same actress, but it was not. Blix reminded me of the little girl from NeverEnding Story. I don't know if I've seen that movie in its entirety. <gasps> okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm low. Am I upset with you? That's... No, no, no. <laughs> He hasn't seen a lot of good movies. Yeah, no, but that's different. Everybody knows Devin doesn't watch anything. (laughs) No, Never Ending Story is a classic. Um, The little girl who plays the the princess that he's trying to find, um, they have a very similar face. And also, like, she's also, like, very pale and everything. Uh, so I thought it was the same little girl. So I looked it up to see, um, but it is not. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a, a little fairy, basically like Tinkerbell, you know, mm-hmm. bringing it back to Peter Pan here, uh, named Una. And yeah, oh, she, that's who I'm thinking of, Una, oh, not like Una, okay. Una. Yeah, uh, she actually looked like like a crazy Kristen Bell. <laughs> you know, like I mean, she's she's wearing contacts clearly, but she's got these bright blue eyes and. You know, she's got a pale skin, but it, that's what I, it reminded me of. But she got some crazy ass hair too. But uh, apparently, she loves Jack, and she will do anything for him as long as he just gives her a kiss. You know what? Who she kind of reminded me of when she kept. I'm and I'm gonna keep doing this because this is how I process things. Um, she actually reminded me of Tinkerbell, like kind of an evil Tinkerbell. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because, like, that's the whole thing with Tinkerbell is she's, like, obsessed with Peter. Yes. And, like, she wants to, like, become human, and she's, like, jealous of Wendy. And whichever, <laughs> I mean, depending on the version you watch, there's always that symbol that's a kiss, too, you know? There's, mm-hmm. So there's, there's that. Uh, the, the prison set, I thought, looked amazing. Yeah. 
they did not go cheap with any of the sets at all. Like it, they put a lot of love into making things look. It was just ridiculous. Visually, this movie is stunning. Until you said that it like was a set. Like I just believe they shot it in the woods. The other thing that took me a minute in the beginning um, to figure out because I was trying to figure out if these were humans, if these were fairies, like what was going on. Um, for some reason, the way they filmed a lot of the beginning with them running through the woods the trees seem so much bigger than they were that at first I thought maybe they were like supposed to be like fairies or like little people or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah. They, they're definitely big trees. Um, and those are, they, they, they wanted to film in the sequoias of the Yosemite national park. Um, but they, they felt like they weren't going to be able to control the environment. So they decided to use the, uh, Pinewood studios. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so the, the set of uh, Darkness's lair or castle, it, I thought that was pretty amazing because there's no CGI here. I mean, well, I mean, Tinkerbell, I mean, you know, <laughs> Una, yeah, if you want to call it that. Uh, but everything is pretty much practical effect. And I really like how everything's extremely large. The pillars, they were shaped like p- big pond pieces. I don't know if you noticed mm-hmm. that. I really liked um, like all of the scenes in there with um, Darkness and Lily. Uh-huh. Like, and I like how, like, she goes from, like, kind of, like, looking very innocent to, like, becoming very dark. But, like, and then when they start, like, kind of fighting them, I, I just like the, um, the scale of it. Like, it, it all feels, like, very big. Um, it feels like, you know, like, there's, like, parts where he's, like, kind of, like, looking out over everything it reminded me of um what's that movie the hobbits okay (laughs) yeah like from but like also like he's looking down from like mount doom or whatever (laughs) you know the uh lily when she transforms into this figure the the figure itself like there's no face it's completely black and it was really eerie Mm-hmm. You know, it's just dancing. And I don't know if you noticed, but there was like a little person that was dancing on the table too. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It was creepy as hell because then I shot, uh, and then like the, the shot cut away. And then when it went back to the table, I was like, where did it go? And it seemed, <laughs> it seemed like it was a statue now. I'm like, no, it was moving just a second. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Really creepy. Talking about it is giving me the chills a little bit. It, it, um, the, everything inside Darkness's lair, that's what I'm going to call it, it just, it was really eerie uh, for me. Um, yeah, and he's huge. Like, whatever kind of, like, suit that they put Tim Curry in, like, he he feels ginormous. <laughs> yeah, he, he worked out. He worked out for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a young Tim Curry. It's a young Tim Curry. That's it. That's it. This is uh, the same year as Clue, so this is, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, um, so what else did you take from the scene? I mean, I, I mentioned that, uh, well, you said that, you know, he was starting to fall for her, and he was just like, and, and I mentioned that he said, hey, just, just talk, you know, have a talk. Well, I, I, the whole thing of like, just sit here and talk with me. Um, yeah, he's like trying to tempt her and everything. What I really like is when she turned evil, like her whole outfit changed and she was showing a lot of cleavage. 
a little bit, yeah. I was like, um, this just went from like a children's film to like a little like BDSM dominatrix kind of situation right now. Because like her dress was like slit all the way down to her belly button. She looked both like a uh, like a sexy maleficent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved her like hat thing that was like all big and and she had kind of like the um like black veins and stuff on her um face. Yeah, I thought it was really good and I liked the you know like the whole thing of like has she really turned evil has he has he tempted her like that whole thing is always it's just always a really interesting trope in like the fantasy things is like the innocent girl and whether or not she's corrupted by the evil figure yeah well she says she wants to kill the unicorn so yeah i guess she's you know consumed by the dark side a little bit here did you think she was fully evil uh a little bit of me, yeah, I, I did believe that. Uh, but but knowing movies, I, I felt that she would have snapped out of it sooner or later. Yeah, I was actually really surprised because what I thought was going to happen was that we were going to get one of those like things that they're really fond of doing in superhero shows, where like you know the the corrupted person is faced with like the person they love and they have, they have the whole talk of like, you know, this is not you, like you're better than this. Like I thought we were going to get that scene when the whole thing happened, but like he he actually kind of like saves her from very far away. Yeah. It's, it's kind of calling back to something that happened earlier when they were in the forest you know, where she's like, don't you trust me? You know, when he was taking her to, you know, to go see the unicorns, I guess, and he, he blindfolded her anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? So at this point, you know, they the, their plan was to, I guess, kill her because they're all holding, like, these bow and arrows, you know, at her. And then Jack's like, he hesitates. You know, he's like, I, I trust you. And then, like, you know, she ends up, like, freeing the unicorn at, at that point. So I don't know if he had anything to do with it because it didn't seem like she was even, like, fighting anything. Yeah, like, I I definitely think it was one of those, like, you know, she saved herself things, which was kind of interesting, because I thought we were going to get the whole, like, Lily, Jack, I love you, (laughs) which, aren't Lily and Jack, sorry, I'm, this is me again thinking, Lily and Jack are the names of Johnny Depp's kids, not from this movie, though. (laughs) I'm pretty sure not based on this movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure his son is named after Jack Sparrow, not this Jack. (laughs) Just a coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yeah, very interesting. You know, in our head canon, let's just say that he named named him after the legend character. Yeah, Johnny Depp saw this really bad movie in the 80s, and he was like, you know what? That's it, future kids. Who knows? Maybe he, uh, maybe he auditioned. You know? True. That could have been- you guys, we could have had Johnny Depp. It could have been everything. Legend. Been, you know, instead of uh, what was it, Nightmare on Elm Street? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Nightmare on Elm Street two came out this year. I I could be wrong. The, not a franchise I'm you know a huge fan of, but. Um, so darkness is defeated, and uh, oh, the other thing that was really interesting, which kind of—I guess it kind of played a part, but kind of didn't—the whole thing with the plates. Yeah, like a shield. <laughs> yeah, like they were. I thought that was gonna have like kind of a bigger impact. Like I know they got the whole thing was about bringing light down to there, but it really all seemed to hinge on the, like whether or not she decided to kill that. <laughs> 
that uh, unicorn. And so it was it a brown top, Tom, that was that, that climbed up to the outside and then fell asleep. Oh, I think so. I can't remember. For no reason, he falls asleep, you know, and like kind of looks like a slows down the, the plan a little bit there. Um, I felt like they didn't know sometimes whether or not the goblins and stuff were supposed to be scary or if they were supposed to be like very ineffectual and funny. Right. I don't want to call it a mess. I, I don't know if it's the right thing that the directing. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here, but it's just the execution, I guess. You know, can we say that? Like, yeah. just we're not executed well. I think, too, it's funny because nowadays we see movies a little bit differently. Movies were very much so about. Today we see them about like the director and the writer kind of like almost working together. Yeah. And kind of like back in like the 80s and 90s, it was like the person who wrote it was almost like very secondary to like the person who directed it. So you almost don't know like, well, was it in the writing that a lot of these issues came up or was it in how Ridley Scott directed it? Like you can't. Like, no, you don't really know because it was such a different time. Like, you know, basically, like, Steven Spielberg or, you know, whoever directed it essentially was the person who made the film. Right. But we don't really look at it that way anymore. Like, no. nowadays, people would be like, who wrote this? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, the after the, the light gets um, brought into darkness's lair it it doesn't even like phase them really yeah you know it, it, they had to open up this other door that leads out into space <laughs> yeah well i i couldn't tell if it was like well it could it was weird it felt almost like that was like almost the night sky like not space but i was like but it has to be sunny outside because that's how they're bringing the light and i was very confused <laughs> yeah. yeah you and me both here uh Jack stabs him with the horn, and I guess I guess that worked. And then we we, uh, we see him return from the river, you know, with the ring, and he finds <gasps> Lily asleep. And this is, you know, the um, the director's cut version of the end. Uh, it, she's asleep on the ground. She wakes up and she thinks it was all a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's pretty much it. And like he doesn't he doesn't ever answer her question. You know, just kind of smiles at her and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that the the ring is kind of what wakes her up from everything, but it's also kind of like it's just so random. Like does that mean like now they're getting married? Um <laughs> like like what happens? Um the other thing I wasn't sure about was cuz like he stabs the unicorn with the horn, right? He stabs darkness with the with the unicorn horn. But then it also felt like they were going to try and like put the horn back on the unicorn. That's what I thought too. Okay. Okay. I thought, I thought it was crazy. I was like, are they going to try and reattach the horn? You know, and at one point the, the horn looked like it was going to melt in this like burning water, you know, that Jack pulls it out of because that's what I thought. Was, I was like, Hey, pull it out, pull it out. You know, it's going to, it's going to melt or something, but he pulls it out and it's just fine. So it was just like it was just like sitting in water that was burning. Yeah. Uh, so that was a little confusing too. Um, and and like the okay, it's okay. I'm totally I'm cheating, people. I'm looking at Wikipedia, and and <laughs> and it does say that 
uh, Gump returns the stallion's horn, returning him to life. Okay. Okay. So apparently you can just reattach a unicorn horn. That's the thing you can do. They're magical. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, this is so weird because, like, I, I was like, I don't understand how the, the unicorn is still alive after it's lost its horn. And like, like these. Well, it was it was sitting in snow and that preserved it. Uh, right? I mean, cold, so it was like being refrigerated. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the couple of different endings. So the ending that we saw, um, so the original version, that's the over the two hours. And the one we saw was just slightly under, which is the director's cut. Lily wakes up as if it was a dream and realizing that uh, they live in two different worlds, continues her platonic relationship with Jack. And in the final segment, ja uh, Jack runs into the sunset alone, hailed by the forest fairies and revived uh, and the revived unicorn. So that's that's the that's what we saw in the American theatrical version. The like 90 some odd minutes, uh, Jack and Lily assure each other of their love and they run off into the sunset together. Uh, this version ends with darkness making a final appearance following the end credits, laughing sinisterly. Okay. Two different endings, and the American theatrical version, a lot darker. Yeah, a lot darker, and also, so, and then the version we saw just ends with him giving her the ring, and it kind of ends. So right. in our version, that no one runs off into the sunset. Right. <laughs> so, like, in our version, no one... Yeah. So yeah. So Ridley Scott doesn't like give him the chance to run off into Sunja. And then like in one, he's like, a he's, so this is the other part I don't get realizing they live in two different worlds. Does that just mean like, cause she's a princess and he's. That's the uh, way I'm thinking. Uh, okay. Okay. Different, different okay. I was, cause I was, cause it also seems like Jack's kind of destiny, even though he's mortal is to be with the like the fairies and with the unicorns and all that other stuff. Like even though he's mortal, he's like accepted into their world. Do we know he's mortal for sure though? Do they say that? I, that's the that's yeah. why I'm not sure about. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's why I was like two different worlds. Does that just mean because he's like a hobo who lives in the forest, or two different worlds because he's like a fairy person? <laughs> Yeah, I think the former, but you know, maybe that's why it bombed so much because people were walking out like with a bunch of questions, you know. Yeah. Then when they uh, released like a couple of the different cuts, it was like, hey, it we understand it more. I don't know. I don't know, but it sounds it sounds like we're both confused. It, if anything, it sounds like you have a better understanding of it than I do. <laughs> I yeah. this is just from me, like just going and doing some research because I was yeah. like, I don't, I don't understand what I just watched. I try. <laughs> I tried. I, I I read the Wikipedia a couple times, and uh, I was like, "All right, well, let's 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 just do it." There's also like a full five minutes where Lily is just like slow motion twirling in the woods. Like yeah, I was just like, "Oh yeah, oh that's the other thing." Okay, so things that I was not like super psyched about. She sings, and apparently this singing is, like, everything. Like, apparently, like, she is, like, the Whitney Houston and Mariah of the forest. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's just like, sing for me, Lily, sing. And she sings the most inane songs about nothing. And it's not even like she has some, like, diva, amazing voice. Like, I was just so confused <laughs> about her singing and why it was so great. 
Well, it makes Jack happy. I guess that's all we need to know. Okay. Yeah, really weird. Uh, so basically, yeah, after we talk about the movie, we uh, give it a rating out of five stars. Um, you know, you can do halves or what have you. So uh, with you being the guest, why don't you go ahead and go first? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, like, I was, like, three when this movie came out. <laughs> so probably... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, probably, like, eight or nine-year-old Shanna, like, had I seen this when I was, like, that age, like, the age when I like probably first saw never ending story or something like that that shadow probably would have given it like a four but like i'm a grown woman now and this is my first time seeing this movie and uh, probably like a two okay like i don't know like split the difference is probably like a three <laughs> okay but it's just like I liked it because I could see probably how it influenced a lot of other films that I love. Yeah. Yeah. They, everyone's taken all like the best parts of this movie. And made it good. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, for me, actually, I'm, I was leaning on uh, like, I was, I was saying like three and a quarter, you know, I, I was going to, uh, I was actually thinking about even three and a half. I mean, I think the best thing about this movie is it looks good. Oh my god! Put a lot of money into it, but there's a lot of questions I have. I mean, I'm not a bright guy. There's a lot of things I'm just like, wait, what's going on here? You know. So, luckily for me, I'm glad that watching the director's cut, I didn't feel like it dragged, despite a lot of slow mo's. You know that you, I, I, I was able to watch it just fine without like looking at my watch. I'm just like, are we gonna get answers? (laughs) Next, next scene. What's gonna happen now? It's um. It's I don't know it. I don't watch a whole lot of fantasy stuff, but this movie is pretty unique, you know. Uh, in some of its characters, there's a lot of issues. Um, I just a lot of like things that aren't really clear and make me scratch my head, kind of things. So I, I don't know. I think three and a half, you know. So it's just right down the middle, an average movie. Uh, I I don't get it. People. I'm sorry. So if somebody wants to write an email explaining the movie. Maybe I'll raise my, you know, score if that matters to you. <laughs> but it, it, it's it was interesting, interesting watch. You know, I don't plan to like buy this or watch it anytime soon. You know, maybe I would uh, go on another show to talk about it because I've already seen it. And like, hey, you know, what? it wasn't that bad, <laughs> but it was still interesting. You know, I liked Mia Sarah. You know, she was fine in here, and uh, the, the the Gump character was really creepy yet interesting as well. I could have done without the um. I don't know the character's name, but the one that got pulled down the hole by the mummy and his Spanish speaking, I, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I got um, I think it's so weird. It, it was shortly after when um, darkness shows up at the campfire. You know, it's, it's that scene, but it is it blunder blunder. Is it the one he's wearing like some kind of horned helmet? I think is what he's wearing. I I couldn't catch a lot of their names. Yeah, I think maybe it's I yeah. Blix is the main one. Yeah, maybe uh, it's Blunder. Let me see. Actually, a wayward elf who has fallen in with darkness. So, could have been Blunder. I don't anyway. know, but 
I mean, I, yeah. I, I think I think it, you're right about the look of it. It's it's a really really beautiful film, and like seriously, like until you said that it was done on a set, like I was convinced it was done like out in the real world. Like it's it's really really gorgeous, and like even Tom Cruise, like he has his moment. Um, even those cheesy as all get out when um, he first appears. And like, you know, he's like on like a rock or something like that. And he's like all crouched down and his hair is like perfectly tousled to the side. <laughs> like, you know, he looks awesome. Like, you know, it's so fantasy. Like, you know, and she has like the dress with like the little crown and, you know, like she looks gorgeous and her hair is perfectly waved and <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because everything. And then, like I said, that Barbara Walters, like soft focus lighting so like everyone has like their own little spotlight like it's yeah. great i and the unicorns i think look really i'm obsessed with these unicorns they looked really really nice especially because like i think it's really hard because we're not in an age of cgi with this phone right. like it's really hard to get like unicorns that look like that like they looked like real unicorns wait you're saying they're not <laughs> <laughs> no, it it looks amazing, and I, I do like the touch of the glitter. That, that was a you know a really neat touch uh, as well. But uh, I know we talked about like um, Jack jumping into the river and stuff. We didn't talk about how big that cliff was, and that's how like some people could think that it's like a real location, you know. So yeah, the set pieces are just amazing in this movie. That's crazy. Yeah. Now I'm like. Now I'm like all confused. Yeah, now I'm all confused about like Star Wars. I'm like, what's real? What's not? <laughs> They've been filming movies at this place forever. They probably do have an entire desert, like all of Tatooine is like on this like studio. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, this was actually a lot of fun. You know, I, I I was hoping to get more answered, but you you know you shed some light on some things that I was still unclear about. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners, you know, where they can, uh, you know, do, do you write or do you? Um, yeah, so you can find my podcast on movietrailerreviews.net. Um, actually, we just have one more week of Supergirl, so I don't know what's going to happen after that. Um, and I also write a little bit for Project Fandom. Um, right now I'm recapping Lucifer, which also ends in a couple of weeks. Um, and if you like comics, I'm reviewing, uh, spider Gwen and the whole spider woman alpha crossover event. Um, so that's what I'm doing for the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, so that's at projectfandom.com. And do you welcome, uh, interaction on Twitter? Oh yeah. So my Twitter handle is at shitty bomb mods. Um, I'm cursing all over the place. So it's S H I T T Y B O N S M O T S. Um, and that's like the primary place where like you can find me is Twitter. Um, I have Tumblr, but like I don't really interact a lot on there. I just kind of like post stuff, and then I have like little like side Tumblrs like for certain characters from certain shows that I really like. Um, like I have like a Netflix uh, Defenders one 
um, where I reblog a bunch of stuff about all the Netflix shows. But um, I'm very not talented at like making gifts and pictures and <laughs> things like that. So like I basically just use those like as places to reblog the stuff I like. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely check out the show notes. I will include uh, the the link to movietrailerreviews.net you just mentioned, and also uh, I'll make your name as a hyperlink to your Twitter. So I'll make that easy for everybody. Uh, so for me, uh, Hydrate Level 4 and my other uh, movie review podcast, Original Remake, both can be found at followingfilms.com, uh, where you can also find other great shows such as Pop Culture Case Studies, um, War Machine vs. War Horse, and also True Romance Film Podcast. You can check out uh, my show that I do with Devin, where we pick a topic every week and we uh, pretty much battle out who has the best five of said list. So that can be found at courtdeparts.com. And again, that's called Week Out 5. So until the next episode, for Shanna, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. I have seen the mystics play there Once or twice, well, I knew they had a reason Enchantment plays its cards all right Hand in hand with the workings of the seasons Legends can be now Legends can be now and forever Loved by the sun Loved by the sun Loved Two and two go so close together Whether there is hope torn apart in the words of all that singing hand in hand the beginning is at the start legends can be now and forever teaching us to reach for goodness sake legends can be now and